as a business owner, you can't possibly be on all of them and do them all well. I think you've got to choose two platforms and people use them all for different reasons. Facebook is traditionally for friends and family. Instagram is for interest groups, the same as TikTok. LinkedIn is the only platform out there where people go there specifically looking to talk business. Pinterest people are going in there because they've got a specific project they're on. So I think you would use each platform depending on what type of business. The real way that people can check that LinkedIn and other social media is working for them is sales, cash in the bank. You can judge it, but leading up to that, you've obviously got signifiers of that. You've got the conversations you're having on social media, like are people responding in a positive way? Are you generating what I would call warm leads off the back of those conversations? Are your posts being seen by more people? Are you getting profile views on LinkedIn? Are all the things going in the right direction? Welcome to the Hands-On Business Podcast. Where else are you going to come to get tips, tricks, and advice on growing your business? As what people tend to love about this podcast is that it is a place where you can hear real business leaders discussing systems, methodologies, and strategies that they have used to help them catapult growth in their business. So I'm your podcast host, Hakeem Adebiyi, and I've grown several small businesses to multi-million pound enterprises and noticed that there wasn't really a place that focused on where I was, i.e., growing a small business. All of the content that seemed to be out there was about big business and often just a lot of theory and no practical implementable advice, which is exactly why I set up this podcast. So take a listen, enjoy and start implementing the strategies that you hear on the podcast. Happy listening. Social media was once seen as a fad for young people with nothing better to do. It's now seen as an integral part of growing your business. And interestingly enough, though, most business people I speak to think, or seem to think at least, that LinkedIn is the only platform that they need to be on. Now, that may or may not be true. So I decided to get an industry expert on, Alex McCann from Altrincham HQ. And Alex has been at the social media game for decades. And hence, I want to pick his brains and find out what social media platforms should we be making the most of to grow our business? So welcome, Alex. Thank you very much yep. for agreeing to be on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Excellent. So we're going to jump straight into it. Just talk me through your journey from to becoming a social media expert and an award winner and obviously a highly sought after social media trainer. Yeah, so I've run a social media business since 2009. So we're coming up to our 14th birthday later this year. People, someone said to me, like, in social media terms, that's like dog years. So even though we've been doing it for 14 <laughs> years, it, it feels like 70 in the social media world. Before I started a social media business, I've always been involved in marketing. So back to GCSE secondary school, I was studying business and marketing onto A-Levels University. My first job outside of traditional education was a journalist. So I used to be younger and cooler and more rock and roll. <laughs> and I used to interview all the big bands around. So bands like My Chemical Romance and Paramore and Muse and Elbow and so on. And then I and then social media started happening. If you, I'm not sure how old you are, Hakeem, but do you remember MySpace? I certainly do. I won't tell you how old I am, but yeah, I remember it very well. <laughs> yeah, so MySpace, the very first social network, I think it was about 2004 I joined that, launched an events company off the back of that. So my job was literally 
fucking bands off MySpace, putting them on venues in Manchester, using MySpace to promote the gigs and getting people through doors. So the very first social network I made money out was MySpace. And then obviously the rest is history. Facebook came along, Instagram came along, Twitter, LinkedIn, and pretty much all of those I've made money on because if you see an opportunity on a platform and that's all social media is a platform, just the same as a networking group is a platform, if you can seek the opportunity out there and how to use it, you can generate revenue and income from that. And it doesn't matter what type of business you are, you find the right platform for your business. So yeah, social media from 2009, running that business, train the BBC, Costa Coffee, Selfridges, United Utilities, the Arndale, NHS, many more. I spend my life on social media. So when I'm not doing podcasts or interviews, I literally am on my phone or training people on social media. Okay, and obviously, even though social media is now seen as a massive thing, I think there's still some businesses that are reticent to use it. Oh, it's not for me. It's for young people. It's not really Mm. a legitimate business strategy. What would you say to those sorts of people in terms of what is the role of social Mm. media in a modern business when you're looking at marketing and growth strategies? Yeah, an essential part of marketing is essentially what it is. If you think about all the different aspects of marketing you do from press to networking to events and expos, you don't do them every day. But social media, if you're a smart business, you do that every day. So when I'm talking to business, I'm saying, okay, you've got all these different routes to market and I recommend them. But social media is probably 75% of your marketing in a lot of businesses' cases, whether that be... LinkedIn or whether that be Instagram or Facebook and so on. So the role of it is people are spending huge amounts of time on it. People pick up the phone 150 times a day. 85% of the UK population are on social media. 93% of purchasing decisions are influenced by social media. So you either jump on it and know how to use it or you ignore it and lose sales. That's where it is at the moment. And you just said that basically every business, and because I work in the healthcare market and healthcare markets yeah. are very slow yeah. to really embrace social media. And I suppose it's probably because their buying cycle is very different because you're not, yeah. the people who you're promoting to don't buy the products as prescriptions yeah. and those sorts of things. So how in that sort of thing, because I think that's where that, that, that problem comes where people think, oh, it's not, I'm not selling a direct B2B product. So yeah. social media is not relevant for me. I think, to be fair, there's lots of businesses that have a buying cycle similar to the NHS in that it's not something you suddenly see on social media on a Monday and then suddenly you're buying it on a Tuesday. We work with businesses like windows and door companies where the buying cycle for that is you don't buy windows and doors every week or every year. It could be once a decade you buy that. So it's when the role for, say, the NHS and medical sort of businesses are... When people are ready to buy, are you the name on people's lips? Are they going to come to you for that product or that service that you offer when the time is right? It's all to do with brand building, brand recognition, and so on. And I think social media is great at that, putting you at the forefront of people's minds. Because in my industry, people don't buy social media training every single day. But when someone's got an issue and a problem... If I'm present enough on each of the social networks, they're going to send me a direct message or email me or call me to get in touch. So definitely brand building when it's those long product cycles and purchasing processes, definitely. 
Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And then there's obviously lots of different social media platforms and there's more coming every day that people are aware, some people are aware of, some people aren't aware of. So can you just give us like a, I don't know, a a whistle-stop overview of the Mm. different social media platforms and then what their unique benefits for different types of businesses? Yeah, so I think the average person uses seven different social networks on an average month. So that is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, it might be TikTok, it might be YouTube. Some people class that as a search engine or a social network, and you've got things like Pinterest. So I think as a business owner, you can't possibly be on all of them and do them all if you're only one person or a couple of people in a marketing department. So I think you've got to choose two platforms and people use them all for different reasons. So Facebook is traditionally for friends and family. Instagram is for interest groups, the same as TikTok is generally for interest. LinkedIn is the only platform out there where people go there specifically looking to talk business and corporate stuff. So that's why a lot of B2B businesses think LinkedIn is definitely the right place for them. Pinterest people are going in there because they've got a specific project they're on and they're specifically looking to pin ideas to a board. So I think you would use each platform depending on what type of business you are. Largely speaking, B2C businesses, you will use Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. And quite often B2B businesses, again, depending on sector, will quite often use LinkedIn and then a mixture of either Twitter or Instagram. So... I think you, you've just got to pick your platform and look at whether your audience are on there. So I know in NHS and medical, Twitter is still quite a relevant platform, even though for certain businesses it's not. But for NHS and medical, like education, Twitter's a big thing. And certain sectors that just lend itself to conversations on Twitter. And I think LinkedIn depend on who you're looking to reach on, on, on LinkedIn in the medical world, definitely LinkedIn as well. And then just on that, because obviously new platforms come up mm. and everyone gets very excited about them and everyone thinks mm. I've got to get on there. And But what yeah. basically what you're saying, really, if I've just praised it, that if you're looking at healthcare business, you'd really be looking at Twitter and LinkedIn. If you're looking at B2B, yeah. it'd be more the, possibly B2C, it'd be more Facebook, the Instagram, yeah. the TikTok. I suppose the question I always ask is, like TikTok has blown up. So what you're saying really is if you're a healthcare yeah. business, then TikTok isn't really what you would want to be focusing on it it would be much the twitter and the linkedin give you a better response is what you're saying effectively yeah definitely tiktok i'm only investing about five percent of my marketing time on tiktok because there's already platforms that i know work they're driving sales continually and obviously as a trainer i've got to jump onto certain platforms and work out how to use them and best to get the best advantage out of them but still for my type of sector and also my age as a 40, 45 year old guy, TikTok, there's lots of younger people than me that are creating bigger waves. So I think, yeah, definitely medical, yeah, Twitter and that's it. Okay, perfect. And, and then in terms of, I think we'll just get yeah, YouTube, where would you say that fits? Because obviously I know it's a, it's a search engine, yet social media, so almost a mixture of the two. Where, yeah. where would you think that fits in? I think a lot of YouTube goes down to the resources you've got. Have you got the resources in-house in your business to film fairly regular content to put on YouTube? If you have, that is absolutely fine. Go ahead and give valuable information to your ideal clients, like how to get the best out of your product, comparison videos between product A and product B. 
insights in the industry in your specific field of medicine like you've got to give some value to the audience to get people investing time on youtube because youtube is a big investment even to watch like a three to five minute video it's three to five minutes out of someone's day that you're interrupting so i think you've got to think carefully about what sort of content you're doing and work out a content plan that you can work out from the present day to 12 months from now and producing regular videos on that. But yeah, it's definitely it's part of the mix and you can use that content on other platforms and upload those YouTube videos, either chop them up or upload them natively in full to the other platforms. Okay, perfect. And then I'm just going to get into a couple of specific platforms because you've mentioned mm. a couple of them. So in terms of Instagram, because obviously Instagram is now owned by Facebook, as most things seem to be getting owned by Facebook or Meta. So if you try to grow your business with Instagram, is there specific things, specific tips you would say are different than others? Because you mentioned Instagram as possibly the one that overlaps with B2C and B2B. Yeah, in, Instagram is definitely, it tends to be interest-led. So again, it, it's, it's planning out your content and importantly, making sure the visuals represent your brand. A lot, a lot of businesses jump onto Instagram and they can forget all their, what I call the brand values. So you'll have the website that looks fantastic, that has your tone of voice, your brand colors, etc., like that. And you go onto Instagram and you'll randomly find things off Google and post them on your Instagram. <laughs> and I think it's just making sure there's that brand consistency on what you're posting. And again, making sure you've got that backlog of visual content, which are essentially photos, graphics, and videos. I think a lot of people join Instagram because they feel it's a good idea and don't think, okay, we can't just do words on it like we can on Twitter or we can on LinkedIn. And then they run out of steam. They run out of steam within about two or three weeks because they've got nothing more to go at. So I think Instagram is a big content and media investment that you've got to think about the long-term aspects of that and whether you can keep producing content. And again, not just taking content that you might put in medical trade magazines. A lot of people take content that looks well on an A4 or A3 poster they put it on Instagram and it's significantly small and like, how are you going to read a piece of text that is like 0.8 size on the font scale? So it's got to be content bespoke for Instagram. Okay, excellent. Then the big one, I suppose, for me, and I, uh, uh, LinkedIn even, because obviously I see you posting on there very regularly. I try to post on there quite regularly. And also from a business point of view, I always mm-hmm. try to post on there. And you tend to get very good results on LinkedIn mm-hmm. from a B2B point of view. So... If you get any tips on there in terms of how can you effectively use that to generate leads and drive growth? Or is that just the same yeah. with Instagram? It's sim- a lot of the things are similar on other platforms, but the great thing about LinkedIn is you're getting straight to the decision maker. Like it's very rare on Instagram, someone's going to outsource the LinkedIn on LinkedIn. So what you've got to think about is make sure you're connected to the right people. Make sure you're then posting the right content. And the good thing about LinkedIn is you can have what I call more in-depth more insightful discussions on LinkedIn that you can't necessarily have on other platforms. And then three, make sure you're engaging with that target market. So naturally, it's about showing an interest in someone as well as being interesting. A lot of people make the mistake of posting and ghosting on LinkedIn. So they'll log in the morning, they'll do the post on LinkedIn, and then they'll just disappear because they've got a busy day ahead. What you've really got to do is make sure it's like any other form of social media. You've got to spend the 15, 20 minutes a day commenting on other people's posts like why would anyone else remember you if you're just like invisible because there is an algorithm on linkedin and again if you're not doing that bespoke 
original commenting on people's posts, your content might not even be seen by that end user. So it's all free community, so the people you connected with, the content, and then the engagement. Do all master all three, and you'll get it right. Excellent. And then, is there any? Because again, it's always there's always these trends, and the trends change. So you know, I remember people used to say you want to do a short post. Or you want to do a post where you've got the obviously I can't what they call it, but like, like the margin. So it's just you put something, an engaging question, and then you put all the rest of the stuff below yeah. there. Or you do a really long post. What are the sort of posts that you think are the ones that you know really engage people? If someone's starting mm. with LinkedIn, it's an interesting one because I think you're right. It does change all the time. Like literally every six months, will almost be like a cyclical change where you'll start seeing a certain type of content. And then LinkedIn either goes with it or it kicks back against it. So what a lot of people have seen if you dipped into LinkedIn recently is you'll see lots of people doing selfies all the time. And lots of people complaining it's LinkedIn, not Facebook. And LinkedIn <laughs> has just recently announced a sort of algorithm update where it's going to almost deprioritize non-work related content. And people are debating at the moment what non-work-related content is because naturally, if you go to a networking event and take a photo with someone, like how does LinkedIn tell that is a work-related piece versus a non-work-related piece? But I think generally people react to a face. That is one thing. LinkedIn can't really devote the selfie culture. People react to a face. And then again, Work out your content pillars in advance. Your content pillars are the subjects that you're going to be talking about on a regular basis. If you just stay true to that personality, push your content pillars, it's going to work now. It's going to work six months from now. It's going to work six years from now. It's just again about speaking to that audience and giving them some valuable content rather than trying to push things at people. And it's a lot of the old marketing things work as well. Making sure your first line is interesting. It's, it seems common sense. Yeah. Make sure your visuals are interesting. Make sure the first line, because the reality is, even if people are scrolling through engaging with content, like the liking and the commenting post, the reality is most people are going to go boring, boring, not interested. You're hoping that it's your post going to go, wow, that's super interesting. And they're going to stop and they're going to read it and they're going to connect with that and, and comment on it. So just think that there is so many distractions out there. You've got to do something that stands out. And if, if there anything like, because obviously you've got, you've got PDF posts where you've got carousel posts, you've got yeah. video posts, you've got, as you said, picture selfie posts. And I think when somebody sees some kind of image, people always mm. seem a bit more engaged when it's just a yeah. whole lot of text. So would you say mix it up or do a certain kind or... There's two things. Yeah, have a bit of variety of what you do. Now, I'll be honest, I used to be a journalist, so a lot of my text, a lot of my content on LinkedIn is text. I usually do about two photos of a week and then the other five posts a week are text only. But I think it's that goes down to playing to your strengths. Because I'm good at writing, because I'm good at getting the hook and the attention from writing, that's the content I tend to lean into. If you're particularly good at going onto Canva and designing some graphics and being able to bang them out quite quickly, lean into graphics and visual content. Equally, if you're good at video and you're good at presenting, literally switching a camera on and speaking to camera and connecting with that audience, play to your strengths. Do whatever type of content 
that you feel comfortable with and is easy for you to do because there's no point in trying to write loads of text if you're not good at writing or going on video if you're just like shy and reserved and not good on video. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just, just lean into the content you like and do more of that. And there are people, I said, mine's mainly writing, but there are people who every post is a video and it works for them. Yeah, okay. So it's, yeah, it's effectively, as you just said before, it's about connecting with the right people, engaging in a mm -hmm. way which is going to actually engage that specific audience. So rather than saying, well, I'm just going to do text posts, I'm going to do video posts, it's a mixture of what you're good at, what you're comfortable yeah. at, and what is your audience going to be engaged mm -hmm. by. Okay, so that's just a, a, a slight aside, but it's probably the, the topic of the day, really, isn't it? Yeah. How do you see AI changing, supporting, or denigrating <laughs> what content providers would automatically do on their own, but now they've got all these chat GPTs and mm -hmm. a whole raft of other things? Yeah, I, th I think specifically for the medical field, it's probably the least likely to help on the basis that actually on ChatGPT, it's about two years out of date. So it's, yeah. I think it goes up to 2021. So if you're doing something that's about medical and you put, give me an answer on this X, Y, Z, it's probably going to be out of date in the medical, in the medical field because it updates literally weekly, monthly, et cetera. You know what? There's good elements and bad elements of it. The bad element is I don't think it's particularly good at copywriting. So if you're thinking this is a super easy way to create content, don't think of it that way because you're going to get some bland generic copy off the back of it. If you're looking for it to give you inspiration, ideas and help with research, it can definitely speed up certain processes. So to give you an idea... I've got a presentation that I'm delivering and I was getting the PowerPoint together. Now that normally would have either just gone from my head to bullet points on paper to doing that presentation together. That normally would have taken me probably what, an hour to an hour and a half to do. I use ChatGPT to just literally formulate the structure for me. And literally that meant I did a presentation in half an hour, which would have normally taken me an hour and a half. And it just gave me the bullet points. Obviously I'm riffing over the top of that with my own advice, my own specifics, but it just it sped up the process for me. So I think if you're using it to speed up processes and help you with research, structure, bullet points, hints and tips, it can help. If you use it to write your content, no. Yeah, no, I, I've used it exactly for those sort of purposes that when you, I don't actually use it for posts, but if I'm writing a blog or something, then mm -hmm. in terms of structures, just to get some ideas yeah. and formulate around it, my advice always is, that you actually, you need to know your subject matter before you use it, in my opinion. Yeah. Because then it's just giving you ideas and then you're writing, as you said, you're riffing over the top of it rather than thinking, I know nothing about this. I'm now going to write a blog on this and yeah. put it into ChatGPT because it won't come across authentic or very credible yeah. and it's probably going to be pretty poor, actually. Oh, of course, carry on. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, there's lots of misinformation there. Again, I've tested it all because when it came out, you have to go, okay, what can this be used for? And obviously, one of my points that I'm mentioning at the moment is in times of recession, there's opportunities there. Because obviously, we talked about the cost of living crisis this year. So in times of recession, there's opportunities. So I just went into ChatGPT. Tell me a list of businesses that formed in the 2008-2009 recession. It came up very confidently with a list of names. Now, I was looking at that list of names and thinking, they didn't form in that year, they didn't form in that year, and they didn't form in that year. So I went to Wikipedia, as you do, just to fact check that. And literally 50% of the facts it was confidently giving me were incorrect. 
So it goes back to what you said about knowing your subject inside out. You can make yourself look like a total fool if you go and use that as absolute fact because AI gives you, AI is confident. It will sound confident when it's giving you the answers. Doesn't mean it's correct. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. In other words, check your facts and yeah. check again and don't just take AI as, because everyone keeps talking about it as being a panacea. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we can't just assume it's a panacea. Okay, so that's very useful. So just in terms of, I always like to give my listeners and viewers like some quick tips or mm. ideas about not just the steps and the tips you can take, but give them examples of what's worked well. So if you got, if you were to look at, yeah, you, what, you put 15 years in, 15, 14 years in to a social media career, can you give me your best and worst sort of like strategies or examples, case studies, I suppose is the best way to look at it, of things that you've done which have given absolutely outstanding results and then yeah. on the converse one where it didn't give you such great results and what were your learnings taken from that yeah obviously we train virtually every day on social media yeah. so we're training on all the different platforms so it's quite often clients that have implemented the advice and yes. then come back to us and say because of this thing has happened so we, we i posted about this on linkedin about a week or two ago and it was a really good example someone came to us they're actually working in copywriting so they had a very good understanding of words and language and so on but they were just lacking the strategy and the how to get in front of the right people and a lot of that was changing so first we they came to us they sat with us for two hours we looked at the profile first of all. Now, in terms of LinkedIn, getting your profile looking right is the first thing that you can do. That's everything from your professional headline to your LinkedIn summary. So we reworked that first of all. And then the second thing we did was work on the content they were doing. They went a lot more specific. So we initially, there were copywriters that was trying to serve everyone. And we went niche into the sort of copywriting that they actually enjoy doing. And it didn't happen overnight, but it did happen in about two or three months from changing both those things, the profile and the type of content they were posting. They actually won Coca-Cola as a client. Bloody hell. So that was like a really big example of someone that we've done, we've worked with that has generated results. Obviously for me, when I look at my own profile, it's about what what's going to happen long-term rather than the short-term. So all those clients we mentioned before, the BBC, Costa Coffee, Selfridges, United Utilities, the NHS, they've all come from LinkedIn, but all slightly different routes. And the BBC example was an example where we connected with someone in a totally different field. And then four years later, just because they continually saw our posts, they ended up working with the BBC in contact and saying, we want you to come into the BBC and train regularly for our members of staff for non-BBC. So I think the big lesson that I always give to people on social media is you never know who's watching. Your ideal client could be watching exactly what you're posting and 99% of people on LinkedIn are lurkers, so they'll never, never comment on your post. And then suddenly you'll get a message out of the blue saying, oh, I've been following you for a while and now I want to buy. So always assume that your ideal clients are watching and therefore post content geared towards those ideal clients. Worst examples, that's the best sort of stuff that we've come up with. <laughs> Worst examples. Again, this isn't necessarily us. I have got bad, one bad example of one thing we did. Years ago, we launched a website. And because I love blogging, this whole idea was to launch a totally different website. And it was all about getting 
different businesses to contribute on their areas of expertise. And what I didn't realize was that just because I like blogging, the rest of the world doesn't like blogging in the same way. So I spent hundreds of pounds on a website, spent the time developing it, and it just didn't work. So probably hosting fees, cost of the website, I probably wasted thousands on that. That was the worst example I've done. But I think generally when it comes to clients, it's not having the content ready. I think you can generally never have enough content. So we always try and say to clients is make sure you've got at least 30 days worth of content ready to go. So that's 30 days worth of images or graphics. We can come up with the copywriting for you as long as you've got that content together. Because I think businesses always get... There's always external issues, staffing issues, busyness, being called into meetings. I think if you've got that backlog of content where you've always got 30 days, you've always got something then to post. And I think it's so easy to get out of the habit. One day becomes one week and one week becomes one month and suddenly you realize you've not posted. And then you're thinking, you just go, LinkedIn doesn't work or social media doesn't work. It's about the power of consistency. So I think all the examples where we've stepped away from clients mutually is when he just hasn't been able to get the content to us okay and, and you're just talking about there about the consistency so mm. i've seen lots of different studies some people say three times a week i'm talking linkedin specifically now three times a week is enough i think you're basically talking about every day so what's the mm. best strategy if you're if you're in a busy environment yeah. and you are trying to make sure you can manage your time effectively yeah so what i always say to people and i say this to everyone most people on LinkedIn are lurkers. So just the very act of posting means that you're actually doing more than the average. So I always suggest to people, start with at least twice a week. Every single person, however busy they are, can do at least two posts a week, and they can be quality based on that. What you define then is once those two posts a week just become natural and they become super easy to do, you just start gradually updating it to three times a week or four times a week. Most people, unless they work in marketing, do not need to post seven times a week like I do. So I think a five is a nice sweet spot for people. Uh, you need it. There's research done from, I think it was Social Sprout a few years ago, where they estimated, and this was based on research, that if you post 20 times a month, you would reach 60% of your LinkedIn connection. So 20 times a month is basically once a day, Monday to Friday. So start with twice a week and aim to get up to five times a week. But again, don't post just for the sake of posting. Only post if you've got something of value and quality to post. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And the other thing that you said about LinkedIn, but also all the platforms, is about engaging. And you're talking about 15 minutes a day, etc. Have you got any strategies on how to do that engagement if you're again because a lot of the people who listen and watch this are very busy there might be entrepreneurs who are or solopreneurs as they're called these days when they're mm. on their own how do you manage that time to make sure that you are engaging in a valuable and authentic way very simple use a timer on the phone set it for 15 minutes and go ahead and do it it sounds super simple but everyone's got 15 minutes a day i find yeah. it easy to do that in one chunk first thing in the morning for you, it might just be looking at those five-minute chunks you've got throughout the day. So you might have five minutes in the morning, five minutes early afternoon, five minutes just before you finish work. And it's getting in that. It does make such a huge difference. I find that whenever I do spend time away from the engagement, like, for instance, when I go on holiday, 
So usually I will schedule posts up for when I'm on holiday, but I won't spend the 15 minutes a day engaging. I'll just dip in and, oh yeah, I better respond to that, but I won't be proactive. And the engagement on my own post goes down as a result of that and the reach on my own post goes down. So I think definitely diarising it, treating it as a non-negotiable, going, I've got to do this. This isn't just a nice to have, it's an essential to have. And whether that is in one chunk or three chunks a day, do it. Okay, perfect. And would you say, because obviously engagement is very personal, so what's your view on having Mm. a company page versus your personal page? Is a company page worth having or would you say do everything via your personal page? Depends on the size of the company. If if you're a solopreneur, as you just mentioned, people buy from people. So personal profiles all the way. If you're a larger firm and you've got maybe 20, 30, 40 members of staff, your company page serves a purpose and it's like your catalog, it's your showcase, your brochure. So have content that specifically sits on the company page and have content that specifically looks on the personal profile. So if anyone looks at mine, if they look at Alex McCann as me personally, and altering which is the company page, you'll notice how it's two different types of content. Generally, the company page is what I've done day to day. Personal profile is my thoughts and ideas and feelings and so on like that. So two different types of content if you're doing wrong, just duplicating the content. Yeah, okay, that makes perfect sense. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, how would you, I think I know the answer to this, but I'll ask you anyway, how, how the business measure their success of their social media efforts in terms of business growth. Obviously, the Coca-Cola example you gave is a very simple one because you've been posted on LinkedIn, you then got Coca-Cola as a client, but that doesn't always happen. So how would you be able to check that actually we're going in the right direction? Yeah, so obviously the real way that people can check that LinkedIn and all social media is working for them is sales, card, cold, hard sales, cash in the bank. That is basically the one way that you can judge it. But leading up to that, You've obviously got signifiers of that. You've got the conversations you're having on social media, like are people responding in a positive way? Are you generating what I would call warm leads off the back of those conversations? Are your posts being seen by more people? Are you getting profile views on LinkedIn? Are are all the things going in the right direction? Because I think lots of people look for ROI on social media in areas they wouldn't look for in real life. So for instance, like, okay, what's the ROI of you having 15 minutes a day conversations? You ask that about social media, but when it comes to an expo, you don't judge it in the same way. You don't go, okay, I said hello to someone and talked about the weather and talked about how difficult it was to get to the expo. Therefore, there's no value in that. So you don't judge it in the same way. You don't go saying hello to someone doesn't have or does have ROI. So I think you've got to look at the metrics. The great thing about social is giving you the metrics. I know yeah. generally if people start looking at my profile, the more people that judge my look at my profile, the more sales ultimately are going to come from that at one point. It's just a case of when they're going to come and then tracking where sales are coming from. Oh, how did you hear from us? Oh, I saw you on LinkedIn. Or such and such recommended you on LinkedIn. It's, it's measuring everything you're doing. Yeah, no, I think that's really good advice. And as you said, social media is excellent at giving you the metrics that back in the day, yeah. if I go back 20, 15, 20 years ago, we'd have killed for that sort of yeah. uh, that sort of data just at a, a click of a button. So mm. the, the other question in terms of, because you talked about scheduling, obviously, your posts out and mm. things like LinkedIn and, and Facebook's had it for quite some time. We've got schedulers. What's mm. your view about the native schedulers versus 
some of these other products like you mentioned Sprout Social, you've got Publer and these different things. Yes. Are they useful to be used or would you stick to the native scheduler within the actual app itself? If you're only using LinkedIn, just use a LinkedIn native schedule. It's good. It works. I use it all yeah. the time. So when I'm doing stuff on LinkedIn, it's from the native scheduler. Certain other platforms, because of the amount of schedule, like Twitter, I will use. There is, again, native stuff on Twitter, but I'll be using Hootsuite or Sendable or whatever platforms yeah. I'm using for those. But yeah, native schedule on LinkedIn is fantastic and does work. Oh, excellent. And then moving, I suppose, from the scheduler, obviously people want to get engagement. They want to do as much as they can. What's your view on paid advertising? Because obviously people do it on Google, have been doing it for years. People do it on Facebook. I personally have always found the LinkedIn paid advertising I've done in the past not as effective. Mm. Same thing with Twitter, actually. So what's your view on those sorts of things? I'm, I'm probably with you. They just don't seem to work. Like I can't remember a time I've seen a LinkedIn advert and thought, that sounds great. I'm going to click on it. I, I don't think I have a single time in over a decade of using LinkedIn. No, and it's expensive as well for LinkedIn. LinkedIn adverts are yeah. really expensive. So no, practice of the organic stuff. Don't do the paid for advertising things on LinkedIn or Twitter. Yeah, no, oh, good. So I'm certainly in that camp. And then in terms of, because we, we talked about, obviously, the great things we should do. We've gone through quite a few of the platforms. What those tips, and it appeared to me that be what I'm taking away, be yourself, connect with the right people, mm. be engaging, and then try and engage with those right sort of people and make sure that you're active on those mm. platforms that you choose that you feel are best for your business. What are some of the common mistakes that you see when people are trying to use social media for growth? I think it's the flip side of what we talked about before. So the expect instant results, that's probably the biggest win, like the biggest mistake they give up too early. So they'll go onto LinkedIn or go on any of the social media platform and they'll post for about two weeks. And when you don't get the sales in those two weeks, you just give up and not post and then just tell everyone in the world that social media doesn't work. I think... The nearest comparison point that social media has with the real world is networking. And you don't go to networking meetings and expect to sell instantly. You expect to turn up every week or every month and get to know people. So you've got to be in it for the long term. And then the second thing is probably what I've said before, the posting and ghosting, posting and then not spending the time engaging with others. So patience and posting and ghosting are the worst mistakes that people make. Just approach it with positivity. Like literally, there are examples in your industry where someone is doing something very similar to you that is generating sales. And if it's possible for them, it is entirely possible that you can generate sales. But when you approach social media with a negative mindset when you go when you go onto linkedin go i really hate linkedin or i really hate social media that's going to come across in your posts your posts aren't going to come across as positivity and passionate and and so on so i think just approach it with the right attitude yeah no i think that's very good advice i think the attitude and the mindset with which you approach it is almost direct proportional to how successful you are really which is really important for people to know so and obviously you run a social media business and at full disclosure we i've used you in the past very effectively so if there's if you've got a person who is trying mm-hmm. to do social media they're overwhelmed they're not really sure where to start even though they've started already mm-hmm. what, what would your advice to be if they've got a limited budget because obviously yeah. you could, <laughs> i've seen some social media agencies and the amount they charge is quite extortionate and they don't seem to do mm-hmm. a great deal 
Yeah. So I always think where possible, it's best that the company does the social media themselves. We do social media training. And what I always suggest to people, we've got the one-off half day, which you can come in and you can learn all about the relevant platforms that you want to learn about. And we can set you a strategy and set you, you, your goals going forward. I always recommend where possible you do an accountability session. So that's where we do the training. And then two to three months later, we actually meet up again for another two hours and we go through what you actually done. And just adding that extra sense of accountability really does make a massive difference in making it happen and getting the results that you want to be seen. Because I think the thing about information, which is essentially what I'm selling the information and the how-to, you could, you could go and get that on Google. Let's not be spoke to your business and there's no sense of accountability because if you could get things off Google and you could get the relevant information, you'd have probably done it by now because anyone can learn anything on Google. It's having someone that is sat in front of you going, this is your business, this is what you do. You're going to then go and implement that and we're going to meet up in two or three months' time and you better have done it because if you haven't, there's going to be an awkward conversation had on that. So I think it's having that accountability, which is what a trainer gives you. And I think you're going from, you're learning from someone that's actually doing it every single day. So when I train, it's something I actually do. I don't just go and go, here's some loads of real unrealistic things for you to do. What I'm going to tell you to do is essentially very similar to what I do every day. Yeah, no, no. And I think that is, there's a lot to be said. There's not enough to be said for people who are actually training, who are actually doing it practically rather than yeah. they, they've read something or they've yeah. done a bit of it, but actually you've got somebody who's specifically doing exactly what mm. you want to do and mm. they're getting results in the mm. way in which they're doing it, which I think has a significant, yeah, that, that, I think that's, that for me, that's what I'm always looking for. If I'm going for training or a mentor or something, yeah. I want somebody who's actually doing what I'm trying to mm. achieve. Yeah, definitely. It's got to be done. There are, as you said, there are so many trainers out there that just give very, I could call like GCSE level information because they're not actually doing it. So research, just because I'm on this podcast, look at the testimonials, look at what I'm doing. You'll see that I practice what I preach. And I recommend that for when you're buying from anyone, you actually look at the proof of what they're doing. Yeah, no, certainly. And so just to wrap it up, because we're coming to the, up to the end of the podcast. So if LinkedIn really is, I'm just going back to the beginning when we were talking about those different things, from your point of view and what you're doing in B2B, LinkedIn mm. is the best platform because I suppose, whatever you said, you get straight to the decision maker, people are going on there and it is very much a B2B platform. So <laughs> if you said you do get very periodically lots of people saying, this isn't Facebook, you know, why are you posting <laughs> that personal story on there? So that, that would be, if you are a B2B business, that would be your almost like your go-to. So, well, start yeah. with LinkedIn uh, yeah. before everything else. 100%, yeah. Link, LinkedIn's a place to be. There's so many opportunities out there. You've just got to go and grab them. Yeah, no, ex excellent. And then my last question is, if, there was, if there's nothing else that anybody listens to on this podcast, what's the one piece of advice you'd want to make sure you left people with? Post consistently. Posting consistently will generate results. So you've got no excuses. You're, you're subject inside out. Show off your expertise. Yeah, excellent. I think that's a very nice one. And if people are trying to, struggling and they want to get in contact with you, I'm assuming they contact you on LinkedIn then. 
Yeah, obviously you can see my name, it's Alex McCann, or you can go on my website, ultramahq.co.uk. There's lots of information on there on what we offer, so just ping me a message through that. Alex McCann, thank you very much. It's been very illuminating, and I know that people are going to really find benefit in what you've just been discussing. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. That's yet another great podcast guest on the Hands-On Business Podcast. That's Alex McCann from Ultram HQ, who's been in the social media game for over 14 years. So certainly somebody you should be listening to. And pretty much, if you distill down what he said, although he went into much more detail, said that on all the platforms, what you really want to be doing is connecting to the right people, then engaging with those people and making sure that you're giving the right sort of content. And his final and parting words were if there's one thing that you need to be doing posting consistently and ensuring that you're sharing your expertise don't forget to check out the show notes at www.thesalesaccelerationformula.com and as always subscribe and share with your friends colleagues and anyone else who you think may be interested but most of all keep the feedback coming so that we can continue to improve and give you more of what you like hope you enjoyed this as much as i did and as i always do keep listening and keep growing <laughs>